On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside episode 922 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed and uh, following on whatever podcast app you're hearing us right now. And uh, I will say once more that uh, in the last week or so, Spotify has added the addition to uh, to leave us a star rating. If that's where you happen to listen, uh, we'd love it if you would take a second and do that. Uh, Chris Hoffley is uh, with me here today. Uh, Hoff, if you're going to do that, it's got to be three or higher. How are you doing, man? Well, I mean, I hope I'm not going to ruin your chances of good ratings now. If this is available, <laughs> you have me on. Like, how did I get negative stars? Yeah, I didn't even see that on the screen. People had to go out of their way to get to that. It was a hack. <laughs> um, Happy New Year, man. How was the holiday season? Things are good? Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it was good. Got over a little bout with the old... Uh, the old Rona, and um, yeah, I got some family time in, got out of isolation just in time to, you know, not infect my parents. Good call. Nice. Um, yeah, they were pretty psyched about that. So um, yeah, it was, good. it was good. How about you? Yeah, no complaints, man. Did um, We drastically trimmed back the extended family stuff that we had been hoping, you know, circa October or November might be possible and uh, just ran something there with the immediate family. And then on New Year's Eve, um, not far from the family cottage, we have some other family members just down the lake. And so we had an outdoor kind of campfire where we figured, you know, safe as you're going to be, right? And uh, and so held everybody outside. It was pretty good. Um, You did mention your your bout with the COVID. Before we get to the beer there, we did get some messages, some replies, some people just wanting to make sure that Hoff was doing okay because at the time that uh, we recorded it was about two weeks before we actually released it. So around New Year's, I'm getting messages like that are sort of out of nowhere to me that are like, is Hoff okay? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. Is Hoff okay? <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh. Hoff's you, fine. Yeah. It, Hoff, it, Hoff lives. Yeah. It, I guess it was from uh, from that show that uh, that got dropped and uh, you just sort of came through it pretty smooth. Uh, you you just sounded a little nasally when you were talking to us. Yeah, from I, I listened. I was going to say, I listened, I listened back to that episode because I was driving, I had a lengthy drive and I was driving in the car with my mom. So I made 
made her listen to it. She's like, <laughs> wow, I thought we were going to listen to like true crime podcasts. I'm like, no, you got to listen to me first. Um, and I, that's what I thought. I was like, People I love that. A little like a little stuffy. But yeah. no, I was I was like two, three days of feeling like kind of mediocre. And um, yeah, that was pretty much it. The head cold and a couple days of just feeling kind of off and tired. And they do say with the Omicron variant, which I, I did have that um, brain fog was a symptom. And that I can attest to because just for like two, three days, they're trying to write an email was difficult and i you know i spent a great deal writing for a living so that was briefly troubling <laughs> but uh it came back pretty fast i had a day or two where my taste and smell was a little off not totally gone but just not quite firing on all cylinders and uh yeah then it was just a few, you know after the four or five days of isolation i had another five days to go and that that got a little long well, you said there, what, three or four days of feeling mediocre, jumping onto a podcast now with 900 episodes of sounding mediocre. Uh, tons of brain fog here, so you'll fit right back in. Uh, what so are we sipping on today? It's a theme. <laughs> well, um, what do we have today? I have a, uh, a Space Invader IPA oh, nice. from Amsterdam uh, Amsterdam Beer. Um, oh, there we go. Nice. Uh, tonight, it's an IPA coming in at 6%. Um, I have this every once in a while. I like it. It's an easy, uh, easy drinker for a stronger beer. And well, it, it, it warns me on the can to prepare myself for an invasion of cosmic flavor. So I'm <laughs> totally into that. Sure. And I like the, Amsterdam. Amsterdam d- turns out, uh, turns out tasty pints on the regular. They so. do. They make nice yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got one here, man. kind of reminds me of you. This one's called, uh, Clark is in session. It's from Thornberry Cider and Brew House down in Thornbury, Ontario. Uh, I've had a couple things from them before. I always look it up, but I didn't this time. I forgot. I think they're near Niagara. I, I could be wrong. Um, but there's a cool little pig in an ascot here. He kind of reminds me of you with your head shaved. <laughs> <laughs> Looks a little like. I thought you were gonna say it's it's Clark, so it's like Clark Kent, and I'm like Superman. No. but that went in a totally different direction. Yeah, no, that's not what we were looking for here. But uh, little pig in an ascot. I, I don't know. He could be Hoff here with his head shaved back in the uh, whenever it was. I, I forget when that. you did that. Now, yeah. yeah, no, I feel like it was like five days ago, but also five years ago. Yeah, I've lost. I don't think anyone has a great ability to know when, nope. like how much time is elapsed anymore. It just has become kind of irrelevant. Well, especially coming off of that week in between Christmas and New Year's where time has no meaning whatsoever. You're mm. just like constantly in sweatpants. It's a lost week. It's a lost week. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so this is a session IPA. It's only 4.5%, but maybe in that first week back from the, uh, the holiday season, that's probably about right. Uh, there is one shout out I should give here um, that throughout that kind of Christmas week, I, I an unsung hero around our cottage, man, the little ice maker that could, and it struggled hard. It worked hard to keep up with the added pressure of the extra family members around. I see you. I appreciate you and the work you did over the course of that holiday week. It was impressive. Not all heroes are human. True enough, man. Um, we got a couple things that uh, I wanted to ask you about, but this one I'm going to spring on you because it just sort of caught my attention here in the last few minutes. Uh, I guess this week, officially, for the final time, and you know they're they're shutting it all down. BlackBerry is done this week. And <laughs> I, know, I saw that too. This is, uh, I guess, you know they still had some devices running and some services running, and uh, no, this is it. It's all done. Um, well, I think I think you can have as long as you have a BlackBerry that runs Android. I think you're still good. <laughs> 
doesn't even count. That's not that's but, not DOG. I, I mean, I laugh because my former boss, uh, the former director of communications at OSAG, Graham Ivory, and I'm I'm going to sh- name and shame him here. <laughs> he he hung on to the BlackBerry for as long as I've ever like. He basically was forced into getting an iPhone eventually, but the, like the man would not relinquish his physical keyboard, which I get as yeah. someone who you know uses my phone for a lot of you know typing related things, but. Uh, I mean, come on, you gotta, there's a certain point where... Well, this is why I bring gotta, it up. Do you, you obviously, you were a, you're a media guy now, but you used to be on the other side of the, the media fence, and we'll be probing you on that a little bit later on, but... Uh-oh. Do you remember your first BlackBerry? Were you a BlackBerry guy when they were all... Yeah, all the I had, like, one of the, I, I, I had one of, like, the first ones, that blue, like, the blueberry one. Yes. The one that was, like, you know, like, I had the, had the clicky wheel on the side. Right. Um. Yeah, that thing was... Like in hindsight, did not that much, but it was so. <laughs> you felt pretty pimp at the time, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it was like, well, I have a computer in my hand now, yeah. and I can type all of my thoughts. Which you know, for people I was getting, I was sending emails to. They're probably like, "God damn it, someone take this man's keyboard away, <laughs> make him stop." Yeah, but yeah, no, I remember I, I had a bunch. Like my my dad, I blame my dad because he's always been that guy who will like find ways to lose or break a phone after a year so he can get the new one. <laughs> Um, so I was always like trying to keep up, which I didn't, but you know, I had a few for sure and tried to keep, you know, keep up with the cool ones. And then eventually, I guess from there I went to an Android phone right before I saw the light and got a big boy <laughs> iPhone. I, I can remember I got one. I think it was, I think it was the 7290. Remember before they had names, they were just all crazy numbers that no oh, one knew. What number, yeah. <laughs> right. And it did nothing but send text messages and emails or whatever but like you couldn't send photos i don't even think it had a camera like it was but i loved the the keyboard thing and and yeah it just felt pretty sweet and i, I eventually moved on i got this one years later because i i went off of it for a while and just went back to like a flip phone like i don't need this thing and later <laughs> on i did get Love one that was at the time it was top end it was called the blackberry tour and it had the click wheel instead of the like in the middle just below the screen like where eventually the scroll pad would end up being like there was a little pad instead this was a wheel and it was amazing but like three weeks after i got it every blackberry started coming with wi-fi and this was like the last one that didn't have wi-fi and so when you would travel with it or whatever (laughs) it was already obsolete yeah exactly it was like the sky dome it was like the sky dome of blackberries we're like at the time oh my god this is amazing and then like a month later baltimore was like actually here's camden yards you're like oh we did it wrong right um and later on, like I had the curve, and then they moved in. I never had one, but the the torch I had a curve for sure. The torch yeah. was no, the I, one. I don't think that had the keyboard and I the touch screen. It was fun names. Yeah, but the the torch was awesome. It was one that had like that slide out keyboard, but then had the touch screen, like oh. they were trying to keep up. Um, I think maybe I did have that one. I don't know. I've had so many phones over the years. Yeah, like, between like my desire to have new phones and just like work related phone hazards but wear and tear um, yeah. yeah blackberry was the like the coolest thing ever and then iphone came out and everyone was like this is stupid no one's yeah, gonna exactly. use these. it was like it was like the like whoever chirped the internet back in the day it was like letterman or somebody like that like this is, he made fun of bill gates on the yes. show. It was like oh, the internet's not gonna be a thing like <laughs> oops um oops. yeah no I, I i hung on to mine for a long time because i i didn't want to lose that physical keyboard and even to this day, I'm still, when I type on my iPhone, I'm like, this is terrible. On my iPad, I always have physical keyboards like that I go and buy that are Bluetooth because I hate it. But at the time, you're just like, oh, but it does 
literally everything else better. So you just have to move on. And uh, I admire the people yeah, who clung got- to it, man. I, I probably still have a couple, like I know I do. Blackberry corpses running away somewhere. Yeah. R.I.P. But I've gotten good. Like my texting is, is quite is quite speedy. You are proficient. Yeah. I, I am proficient. Uh, I can I can make do. But a lot of people getting into voice notes and stuff. Like my brother drives me crazy because I get messages from him and it's just him talking. I'm like, this is worse than a voicemail because I have to like click your text and just text me or call me. But why are we combining yes. two now? No, I get that. I. Where I get into trouble is the combination. I use dictation way too much, and then sometimes you just like hit send, and you look back a few minutes later, like they're gonna have no fucking idea what that was supposed <laughs> they to. Don't know what that means. But I, I'm like, I'm conscious enough to not send the voice note, which someone's gonna have to play, and they might be busy or in a place where they can't or whatever. But I don't want to spend this time typing this out. So yeah, I do the dictation thing, and it's it's not good. It's they gotta figure. They gotta get on. They all, they all have their downsides. I just rather not talk to anyone and just. <laughs> <laughs> just have some quiet time so rest in peace as you said to the blackberry man revolutionary at the time but um yeah I, like when you first had it and you could like pull that out and just do whatever you wanted like there was there was a powerful feeling there like a palm full of god it was because like, it was like you went from playing like pong on your like nokia <laughs> whatever like it would take you 15 minutes to text someone yes. you, press, you know three 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 exactly four, that four, t9 five, bullshit five. yeah <laughs> Well, that was one thing I always gave my dad hell for. Like, we finally got him to, snake. like... It, it was Snake. It was... The game was Snake on the old Nokia. It was okay. <laughs> older than that, but it was Snake. You know, you, like, drag a little, like, cursor yes. around. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm getting off... I'm well, getting we, off topic, but... We gave my dad hell for a long time. Like, you gotta get a BlackBerry. And he came home with this, like, one-off that wasn't T9, but it also wasn't a full keyboard. And I was like, you... What are you doing? Like this? I don't know what this is. Hybrid. Yeah, like it had like two letters on like twelve keys instead of the nine key. Like I have no idea. And he used it forever, and he liked it. But I was sort of like, this is some weird mutant combination of old school texting and whatever BlackBerry's going to be. It was an odd combination, but they tried some stuff. I, I did like that. They had the Pearl, which was kind of a flip phone. It was supposed to be more feminine. I think. I don't know. It was it was revolutionary at the time, man. Yeah, no, phones are like, they, they just own us with phones, these yeah. companies. Like, they're like, oh, we're going to come out with something every 14 hours and you're going to buy it every single time. And I'm like, yeah, I will. Like, I will, but, absolutely. <laughs> so, no problem. Um, man, we got a few things here I wanted to ask you about, but why don't we start in your own backyard? And um, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about COVID. So let's just start here so that we can move off of it. But right now, Omicron doing its thing. Everybody's collecting those Omicrons and, and moving on to, uh, to whatever else is going on. It's hit a bunch of industries hard, um, but no doubt the 67s and, and the OHL are a big part of that. There was some complaints about certain junior hockey leagues being allowed to continue while others weren't. Um, what can you tell us right now about what the 67s are going through and, and what the OHL's protocols look like compared to maybe a month ago? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been such a tough, you know, almost two years now. And I feel, I've always felt so bad for these, these players that are, you know, it's their whole, whole lives basically is going to school and then to the rink. And um, they've gotten kind of repeatedly screwed over by, by COVID in, in, in one way or another. So fortunately, I you know, fortunately for us right now is that the OHL does seem uh, intent on forging ahead and playing games. Uh, no fans for the the immediate, the, the, the very short term future. But 
hoping that you know eventually we get past this acute period of the of the omicron variant and start letting people in again but from from what we understand and this as far as i know is your your humble uh, team spokesperson where <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna forge on and there are a couple cancellations coming up i think for some of our a couple road games um for you know number of covid related reasons but uh as of right now we're we're pressing on and there's going to be 67 games which will be on tv and you know covered on social media but not you know open open the fans for right now because we just can't catch goddamn break right well it's got to be like we talked about this i don't know last summer or maybe two summers ago now however as you said we've sort of lost all track of time here but the the cfl wasn't going to be viable because the TV money alone wasn't enough to sustain the costs of what it it was going to cost to put on a season. Um, mm-hmm. And right now, the OHL, it's the same thing. It's, it's big teams. They have to travel. They have to move around. And the TV money can't possibly be enough to sustain this. Is this something, in your opinion, that... You know, for three weeks, we've been thrown on into this new world by the Ford government here at the beginning of the week. For three weeks, you just power through and hope to do the best you can, and then things can get back to normal. Or, like, if it goes any longer than that, is this a model that has to be revisited? Because the business, I can't imagine, can sustain empty buildings for very long. No, I mean, and that's and that's the, the ultimate question: is is how long can you can anyone go along this way? And the hope is, yeah, that it's going to be a a short term, a short term thing. And fortunately, you know, in the OHL, I guess your, your, your costs are lower than say putting on a, on, on a CFL game. Sure. So you're maybe not incurring that same you know magnitude of losses, but, but more yeah, games. I mean, any, any, any league that's a gate gate driven league, like the CFL or the, you know, the OHL is, we count on being able to have games on weekends and having families come in and, and, and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just trying to kind of grit and grit and bear it for right now. And, and get through the next hopefully just 21 days and and then and then hopefully we're back and uh, being a positive trajectory but for right now you know we, we know as much as anyone does so anyone else does about how this this variant is yeah. going to play out and i know there's an element of just hope for hope for the best prepare for the who the hell knows what's going to happen <laughs> next because nobody really does and no one ever has so um yeah it sucks like we just you know we want to have fans there that's what we do it's weird watching hockey in an empty building or any sport. It's almost creepy. So hopefully like, it's going to be a, yeah, it is, <laughs> it's, it's a very like eerie kind of, kind of vibe. And you just, I think any player would tell you that any coach that it's just, that you don't get that same adrenaline rush, um, going out there when there's not really anyone in the stands cheering on. So hopefully it's a very short lived thing. Well, I wondered that even watching the Canadian division last year in the NHL, like, especially for your physical players, like even the guy delivering a big hit along the boards, it's a blow, right? And But you stand up and 20,000 people go crazy and the adrenaline goes, you're fine and you keep running. To just like two guys charge into each other in an empty building, you got to get up and go like, that probably wasn't worth it. Right? <laughs> it's just a totally <laughs> it's different like, no, vibe. Just, why do we do this? <laughs> yeah. We just, yeah, no, there's like that, that, again, the adrenaline is such a real thing and having people screaming bloody murder when you're either throwing a hit or surviving one or right. you know, just scoring and having everyone, you know, and we're, we're, we have a great junior hockey program with the 67s and mm-hmm. we have, you know, a couple thousand fans at least every night and it's it, it's it's huge for these for these guys to, to play in front of that especially you know when you talk about the ohl getting ready for getting some guys ready to to be pros 
we want to have that pro atmosphere and we for sure normally do a pretty good job of that but you get kind of you know here we are and we're i don't know about pumping in crowd noise we've seen that in the pros that doesn't tend to work for no sure. so um it's always so weird yeah, like it's like three seconds in. late after a goal and then there's like this weird yeah half. it's very odd it's like, and then it's, a, it's like playing an nhl video yes, game where exactly. everything's just kind of off like a beat <laughs> off the mark what were your thoughts on um you know, just in a junior hockey sense about the cancellation of the world juniors. And a lot of people were upset just because of, you know, they thought with only a few cases at the time you could play through. I don't want to get into you and I are not medical experts. Once you found it in enough places, it was going to continue to turn up is my belief. And we did see that in the following days that there were other players that tested positive while waiting um, in isolation to go home. But the thing that stood out to me that a lot of people weren't talking about was, yeah, maybe with those numbers, maybe with the number of cases they had in a men's tournament, they would have tried to power through. But I think the thing that a lot of people forget is these are junior age players in a lot of cases. And the IIHF has a duty of care to to maybe act a little differently with that many minors running around and this being a junior tournament for you. Did that weigh into it at all? And is that something that you guys have to be extra cautious of right now around the 67s? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think I always, I always have a little bit more concern or vested interest in the sixty sevens because they're they are kids and they are you know young adults and you're I mean, you're talking about sixteen to sixteen to twenty year olds. So yeah, they're you know in, in general you know regular years you're you always keep a bit more of a close eye on these guys and um, you know try to protect them a little bit from from whatever it is. And so I think. I think you're right. I think with a junior tournament like this, you had to keep that in mind a little bit. And ultimately, I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the setup there was. I think if your expectation, if your expectation was that you were going to have this tournament with you know no cases or minimal cases, then you probably should have just pulled the plug right. before it started because there there's just no way that you were going to. They weren't bubbled. You had kind of, full. No, arenas. they weren't bubbled, and like you and and you just. <laughs> Like this, what we've seen with the Omicron is that it's just so contagious. Yeah. Um, it was going to go through teams. I'm sympathetic. Know, I'm like when they it planned it, yeah. this wasn't a thing. And then by the time it started, yeah. it was. And you're like, uh, I and don't it's, know. It's such like, a massive. It's such a massive production. It's hard to just, you know, say we're okay. We're not doing this, but um, I think you either had to not do it or just accept the risk that players were going to get this and. You know, hope for the best that no one got it too seriously and then forge ahead. But I don't know how you do that with, you know, the close contacts right. and, and keeping players apart, even the ones that didn't ultimately test positive. You know, it's hard to it's hard to do that at the best of times, even in a bubble mm-hmm. um, when you're not fully contained. It's just it's tough. But I, you know, at the end of the day, I feel terrible for these guys. We, you know, Dave Cameron, our 67s coach, the head coach there, James Boyd, our GM was was running the show and and um it just sucks for everyone like it's it's there's so much emotional and physical energy that goes into getting to this this point and making the team and then getting over there and then and, and you know getting into that groove it just to all of a sudden have it stopped is is the terrible feeling so you feel for them but i think you know it was the right decision to, to call it off ultimately and Look where we are now. Everything's locked yeah. down again. So what are you, what are you going to do? No, right I know. What do you think of the idea that this might be doable down the road? And 
we heard a little bit about it when they canceled the women's under 18s again. Um, we saw last year the women's world championships moved, and there's been some talk that maybe this would be moved down the road. But when you look at the junior hockey schedule, it gets tough, right? This year, you know, they're going to play right through the Memorial Cup, I believe, is the first week of June. And then you're pretty close to draft time, and guys are going to have, you know, development camps and draft commitments and things like yeah, that. It's, it gets different in a it's hurry. Hard. It's hard, I think. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, knock it back a couple of months or whatever. But like you said, the scheduling is. It's hard enough. Like, I mean, I've been through the process in in the CFL and the OHL of um, kind of nailing down a schedule and seeing what goes into to making that happen with dates that people more or less agree on and making sure you're not conflicting with other events that you know you or the other team's stadium has going on on a right. given night. And it's it's hard to hard to make a schedule. And you know, the CFL, I would you know, arguably a bit easier because of the number of teams. But you get into the OHL, there's you know, there's a lot of movement. So even just having the canceled and or postponed games because of COVID that are going on right now, it's going to be hard enough to reschedule those. So, well, and the other thing um, too, right, is the the number of like at Christmas time, everybody's league, no matter where you're from, is somewhere mid season, right? In June, mm-hmm. maybe the Swiss league's been done for two months, and the Memorial Cup, even like just for here in Canada. You're going to have some guys who played last week versus some guys who've been sitting around for two or three months. Like it, it's. I, I, uh, it sounds great. Like I'm you said, skept- I'm, I am too. I'm skeptical. Yeah. Man. I'm skeptical that you can pull. I mean, I, I'd love if they figured out a way that made sense and that worked for everyone that got these, these players, a chance to, to compete in this tournament. I think that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. But I, I think ultimately you're probably going to have to, to just power through and then look towards next year. But yeah. I'm not in charge of these decisions. <laughs> you're not. Everyone. But, um, well, put someone on who is man. Know. Like, what am I talking it's- to you for? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I have myself that every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the other uh, one of the other segments of your job there, man. The Red Blacks have been making news over the last few weeks, and probably biggest of it all is uh, a new boss, new head of uh, top of the football pyramid. Sean Burke becomes just head the, honcho. Yeah, just the second ever general manager of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, what can you tell us about this guy? Well, I'll say this first. I've, I've been here since. Uh, with Oseg and the Red Blacks since 2016, so I spent a set, you know, several years working uh, working under Marcel Desjardins, our, our original, and um, you know, up until last year, current GM. And um, Marcel was awesome to me. You know, he brought me he brought me in. He signed off on hiring someone with very little experience in this particular world. Well, strike which, one. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> which I've always great, been grateful for. So. Um, it was tough last year saying saying goodbye to him, you know, whatever you think about what needed to happen with the team and, you know, I love the people that are making these decisions in our organization, but it's, you know, it's tough to, to see someone go that's been, that's been here for that long and put that much of himself into it. So sure. all the best to, to, to Mars. But that said, uh, Sean Burke for my, you know, ex, you know, interactions with him so far and we've been talking a lot just an outstanding guy. I'm really excited to work with him closely. He's he's a he's a nice guy. He's a, you know he's got a he's got a good sense of humor. He's a, I know he's a kind of tireless, hardcore working football guy, and um, has really kind of worked his way up from you know the the lower levels of, of football ops, and even was a even worked in communications when uh, back in the day with Tiger Cats. Like <laughs> so, when I hear that, like I just you know someone who understands the 
understands the world and um the you know that i live in and um you know the communication with him has been awesome so far and you know he's got a lot of a lot of good ideas for the the next year and beyond of this team so it's gonna be it's gonna be cool i think something to be said about about fresh blood and, and berkey is a uh is you know someone that people that fans should be really excited to have at the helm of this thing because i am and if i'm excited then you know <laughs> Then there's a beer involved. Uh, how? Let's go. <laughs> how? Um, how tough do you think the adjustment has been? Because Lapo went through this a little bit, where you know it was different. Uh, the world was more locked down, I guess, when Lapo came in. But then the season gets called off, and you don't really get to know everybody the way you'd want to. Um, you know, Sean Burke was brought in, I believe, mid December. Um, yeah, and you know, everything's been shut back down. Plus he was going to have to move and adjust anyway. Like how, I don't know how much you want to take us behind the scenes, but how much of a, a thorn in his side has this current situation been just trying to get in and get acclimated and get to know everybody. I think, I mean, up until now in this latest lockdown, I think it, it had been, you know, maybe a little bit easier. Like, yeah, you know, when Lapo came in, you know, everything kind of immediately shut down right after and people were working from different places i know sean is in town has been in town this week meeting with you know whoever is in town and getting his his new football ops staff in place so he's actually been able to be here and be in the office and and meet some people and you know actually you know see where he's gonna be working out of and that kind of thing so um i don't know what the next few weeks are gonna like look like for him i know he's gonna be back and forth um, until he gets settled here going into next year. So I think, you know, he's, he seems like a guy that is not phased by, by the limitations. So, you know, between all the video platforms and video chatting and Zoom and Teams and all that shit that we're all so friggin' used to now out of necessity. <laughs> he's, we're all very well connected and, and he's bringing kind of a, you know, revamped enthusiasm that's going to catch on, I think. The uh, the last few days here, we've seen the front office make a couple more hires, um, you know, to kind of round out the uh, the staff. What is the next, you know, you just said, I think you were referring to the pandemic, but I won't put words in your mouth. We don't know what the next few weeks look like. Um, what is sort of directly ahead for the Red Blacks right now? The season's supposed to kick off the, the first week of June. So we're really not that far away from training camps and stuff like that, but what is sort of next on the calendar for, for the Red Blacks and, and, you know, what's first on his plate there? You know, I always laugh when people that like that know what vaguely what I do for the team are like, well, what, what, what do you got to do during the off season? Like I'm just sitting around, right. you know, friggin' podcast interviews or something, but, um, I have some evidence but to support it's, that it's, theory. <laughs> it's um, things things get rolling pretty fast. So, like you said, right now, uh, Sean Burke has put together his football football ops staff, our, our front office, which is which is going to be fun because number one, you're bringing back Jeremy Snyder, who's been our assistant general manager, um, and you know Jeremy is just just a tremendous guy and he's been around since since the beginning of the red blacks and is just a, yeah, a huge asset for this team so having him kind of back as as sean's right hand guy is going to be big for us um and phil morrow is also coming back he's uh, i guess the youngest member of that front office and he's our pro pro college scout so some more continuity with the uh yeah some institutional knowledge there yeah and then you're bringing you're bringing in like a guy a guy like brendan tamman who's 
you know, he's been in the league for, you know, I don't want to make him sound too old, but a couple of decades anyway. And, 87, uh, I believe he, I read. He, yeah. he's been, yes, he's been a general manager. He's he's won the Grey Cup. He's He's been around a little bit and, and obviously knows the league and the game really well. So he's going to be the director of pro personnel for us. And then uh, Chad Hudson is going to be our director of Canadian scouting and football analytics. And um, he's another one, you know, coming in with. He's you know, an interesting guy. I want to get on the years. show. He's got a, he's got some yeah. some stuff that he's pretty cutting edge. It's yeah, you know, when you get into the end, like I'm always obsessed with people who understand like that <laughs> intimately understand the world of analytics because it's so beyond my capabilities and my brain power. But Chad is you know going to come in with some, like you said, some really cool ideas and and forward thinking on that front. So. Um, that's going to be the, the kind of core group. You probably see some more, you know, a couple more scouts added, uh, going forward, but that's going to bring us to, uh, free agency opening, I believe February 8th. Um, so that's should be, you know, from everything I've heard, we should be, you know, fairly involved in the free agent market this year. So, um, that'll be Sean Burke's you know, first real opportunity to put his stamp on the team and uh yeah there should be some fun fun things coming down the pipe and then yeah you're looking you're starting to get towards the draft and and before we know it we'll be right back to this Happens thing hopefully fast. In front of, you know full crowd like normal cfl seasons with all that comes with it that would be amazing right because it's just been you know so much shit here over the last little while honestly it's been, just, a, it's been a bit of a slog yeah. yeah it would be great to just know for certain hey we're leading up to a full season it's going to be full stadiums and I, I think we're all optimistic that with how this one you know this wave looks that 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 will be okay in the summer but uh, i mean yeah, we don't we know were, anything you know, but everything we have every reason to believe we're all optimistic that this is going to be you know a, a normal ish looking season so i'm sticking to that because frankly there's too much friggin' negativity really out there. I don't want right to now. believe I'm anything going, else. I'm going to try full on occasionally blind optimism, Matt. That's going to be All my right. New Year's resolution. I like that. I admire people who can do that because I am almost the exact opposite. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. I'm one of the other things I wanted to ask you about because you have been on both sides of the the sports media side of things, both working for the man, right? Working for the establishment and kind of controlling the media's <laughs> access to the team, but also you've been a guy who has been on the other side of things, a member of the media trying to cover these teams. And one of the th- stories that jumped out at me here in the first week of 2022 was Ken Rosenthal being let go by MLB network. And for people who aren't big baseball fans and aren't super familiar with that name, that is an Elliot Friedman, Bob McKenzie type insider in the baseball world. Um, when Ken says this is happening, it's happening. And um, he also carries some weight with that, right? He he works for Fox as an in-game host. He writes for The Athletic. And he had been openly critical on MLB Network, which is, of course, owned by MLB, funny enough. Um, when they were trying to get the 2020 season up and going, he had sort of called out Commissioner uh, Manford and the owners on why this wasn't happening and why it ended up getting shortened to a 60-game season. We are now in a lockout uh, in baseball, and he has remained critical at times again on MLB Network. And um, apparently, the commissioner's office came down to the TV station and said, we don't want that guy around anymore. And they didn't necessarily fire him. My understanding is his contract ran out and they just said, yeah, we're not bringing you back. Um, 
this is kind of a death blow, isn't it, for any sort of journalistic integrity of MLB Network? I don't know how Ugh. serious people wanted to take them when you're owned by the league. Uh, you know, like, what do you th- what do you think of this a, whole thing? This is, this is, oh man, I have so many different thoughts on this because it's such a weird issue. Um, I think that, yeah, so you want to talk about pure journalistic integrity and freedom of the press and all that, then of course, I think you should be able to say, you should be able to criticize a commissioner. Can you imagine if someone in the media got fired every time Gary Bettman got criticized? There'd be nobody <laughs> no else, left. Like, left covering the league. So, no, I think that's horseshit. I think if that's the reason that they didn't renew his contract, that, yeah, you've got, you know, not great. But at the same time, it is a league-run, quote-unquote, media outlet, if you want to call it that. And, you know, at the end of the day, they can do whatever the hell they want with their their property. And, again, like, I have a hard time with these ones because I have no idea what was in Ken's contract in terms of, you know, like, does he have a clause in there that says, you know, you can't, go after when it gets gray right like what if you know in the athletic he writes the commissioner sucks but he's very nice uh, to him on his own network is that grounds for dismissal right like yeah like it's it's tough it's a tough one and like as he said he's not getting fired he's not having his contract renewed so you never like you never know if there's you know there's other reasons for it if he didn't get along with you know the person like ultimately pulling the strings and they really do just want to go in another direction um, I don't know. I think you're probably right. I think they probably just were like, they got a call from the commission's office and were like, can you yeah, stop this? That seems to be the like... report from a lot of the other insiders was, he so, was not happy. I mean, yeah. And... In that case, like if, if it was anywhere else other than like a league run property, I'd have a bigger issue with it. And I still do. I don't love it, but like kind of like, you what know, does it mean work for? if you still work and, there, how do you get taken seriously now? Like, if you're a reporter who's left there and Ken Rosenthal has been let go for being critical of the commissioner's office and, and, you know, the league itself, how do you feel knowing that uh, everyone watching now knows that if I say anything negative, I'm probably gone? So anything I say positive is going to come off as ass-kissing, isn't it? Like, it puts them in a tough spot, too. You're right. I think that's a really good point. I think it creates an issue for them going forward in terms of their, you know, their talking heads and the people covering <laughs> the league for them where it's like, okay, now, like now did someone have to sign something, say that you're going to be, you're going to be nice to everyone right. all the time and you're not going to shit talk to commissioner. Um, yeah, I got, but that's the risk you get into with, you know, non-independent media, I suppose. And I guess it's fans. Like, know, that's, gonna, like, what is our expectation? It says MLB network. Like, they probably are going to have a say in what's happening there. And every every league has yeah, one. Yeah, and of I have these. a hard time. I have a hard time thinking that they like they like. There's no way this is the first time they had the conversation. No, no, it's not. Um, for sure. You know, like it, it was probably something that was you know escalating in the background, and who knows? Maybe he dug his heels in. Maybe he didn't. I, I obviously have no idea. But there's rarely just one thing that makes something like this happen when it's this magnitude involving a personality like that. So probably more to it. There's an NBA reporter who, uh, whose name escapes me now and I'll, I'll share his tweet there um, in the thread underneath this show. But he said that when he was running, cause for a long time, NBA TV only existed on uh, NBA.com 
And he said when he would say something critical on NBA TV under uh, Stern, Commissioner Stern of the NBA before uh, Adam Silver, he said Stern would often call him and just scream at him about how wrong he was, about why he was. But he said not one time did he ever call my boss or threaten to have me fired or say why I shouldn't no, be welcome back. he just told me what he thought, yeah. Yeah, and I, like, to me, that's the way, if you want this thing to have any sort of it, he's got every right to say why he, he thinks you're wrong or whatever, like comment. Uh, screaming might be a little over the top, but what do I know, right? Risky, risky, P, risky PR strategy. Sure. You don't know if the other guy's recording you on the other yeah, end. No, there, no, is, I mean, there is that it's element. One, it's, one thing to, it's one thing to call, you know, Tell some guy you're an asshole and I disagree with you. Dude, there's another to like try to derail or ruin his career. Right. I got time for that from from Stern, right? That just goes, no, I don't like that. I don't appreciate it. I think you're wrong. I wish you Listen, hadn't I was that. a report I was a reporter for the Sun for a few years. <laughs> I had my fair share of people calling or telling me what they thought of my <laughs> chosen career path or topic of the day. I have no doubt. But to me, that's so different than just making sure that guy loses a job, right? Like, it's a, if you want to be taken oh. seriously, right? So, what do you think of... It's an, it's an odd one. It, it, it's the deal, the, the difference thing, the difference of, you know, the big difference there is that, again, it's a, the league owns it and they can do whatever the hell they want, so... But that's my point, right? Know, like, Stern owned, like, the NBA owned NBA TV and this is different strategy, yeah. right? Like, if, you're, if your skin's thick it's enough... It's not a good... It's, yeah, it's not a good, and, and it's not a good PR strategy either because the story's obviously going to get out, yep. and it's not going to be framed in a way that that's going to make the organization look great. No, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. How should we view these league-owned networks? Because, like you said, Batman gets torn up plenty, but very rarely on NHL Network or even on Sportsnet, yeah, yeah, who owns the I, rights. I, I think they're a they're a service, like an entertainment service. I would like probably wouldn't call them journalism in most cases i think that's where people you know muddy the waters too between like real sports journalism and you yeah. know anything that's owned by the organization that you're covering is it's more of a you know it's pr and it's marketing right and it's a commercial for your product a, yeah it's a big you know it's a large it, it has certainly has its purpose sure. um but it's but understand not, you know, what you're watching source to get your news on the league like it's coming from somewhere with a reason did uh did you enjoy the sense game on saturday oh i'm sorry the signal seems to be cutting yeah here. Oh, we're losing know. off can't yeah. believe it <laughs> we're lo- uh, going through a tunnel <laughs> um no matt <laughs> it wasn't great um, I don't like watching borderline, not even it's barely practically an East coast league team with all the, it was an ugly roster missing. that was floated out it's there. Not great. What is it? Look, the, the whole league is going through different stages. The Sens were forced to play through a pile of games, not the least of which being Saturday, but a month or a month and a half earlier, they were ravaged with, uh, with, but even when healthy, I would assume and you'll correct me if I'm wrong because you love to do that, uh, that this isn't what this season was supposed to look like, even when healthy. Did we jump the gun a little bit on how fast the Sens were going to turn the corner? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but period. And like, <laughs> yeah, all yes, right. I well, think, thank I you. Think, <laughs> like, that's a, uh, yeah, I think I thought it back, you know, last year too. I just, this year was not going to be 
of the year. This is going to be another. A lot of people did. That's though. got a good draft. Yeah, I know. Going to push for playoff spot uh, this year. Going to. No, and I, look, I, I just, thought they'd be better know, than this, but I didn't. I th- thought they'd be better than. I yeah. Thought, oh, I for sure thought they'd be better than this, but yeah. I didn't think they'd be, you know, realistically fighting for a playoff spot. Right. And I'm okay with, like, frankly, I'm okay with it. You want to go spend this way another year and get another decent draft yeah. pick? But I just, you got to turn that corner eventually and you got to stop bringing in nobody vets or way past their best before days. Right. Um, and just let losing to Claire's who then go tear it up last year. That's what was, yeah. Last year at the end, that's what was exciting. Yeah. Guys hot finish. Just getting out there and doing their thing. You're going to get popped eight, nothing sometimes when you do that, (laughs) but that's fine. Yeah. I think part of the problem, right. Was Dorian people engaged Dorian kind of framing it up. The rebuild is over. I think a lot of people who, dug in deep enough knew what he meant our days of bottoming out are supposed to be over but when you just come out and say the rebuild is over as a pr guy Uh as a pr guy when i heard him say that i I was like oh no there's a cringe there right like oh it's like when i like i've I've had players over the years that'll you know what you know we're gonna get this many wins or i guarantee you're gonna be the don't do it oh my god (laughs) like just don't like we're gonna get pucks in deep and give it 110 percent on it yeah yeah. Stick to the cliches, right? They work. No, I, I but look. you know, sent, I've always got my sense back, but they just need another year or two of not being great. And they've got, you know, there's flashes of good things there, but they're not there yet. Yeah, no, and it's it's there's just been I don't know, like Forsberg and Gustafson like been okay in goal, honestly. It was when they kept trying to force Matt Murray back in there, and Forsberg, I get it. Yeah. You had money tied up in that, so you have to but at some point, that's a sunken cost, and you're going to have to just move on. And I know the huge doesn't yeah, want to do that. Slowly, well, and they've been trying to now. Yep. Then COVID, and they're suddenly, oh, okay, we're Matt Murray's starting. Again. He's oh, back, we, yeah. And yeah. he and, honestly no, got I, hung out to dry a little bit this past Saturday. Um, he, oh, yeah, that was that was rough. And <laughs> and frankly, you guys are, you know, this might be the best Leafs team ever. They're clicking to, right now. Ultimately, they losing the first round of the playoffs. All right. But, yeah, that was an elbow uh, I should have seen coming. <laughs> <laughs> the crash is just going to be Bernier. Jonathan Bernier? No, uh, look, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> so, I just made up a word. Awesome. It's it, You're right, though. The Leafs had been clicking. Both teams have been off for a bit. And... Honestly, I thought Murray was okay at times. There was the one breakaway goal that was under his arm. You're like, ah, I need you to have that. But there he is. Yeah, exactly. But the goaltending with the two younger guys has been okay. Like it hasn't been top of the league, but better than they no, had been getting. No, and it's been fine. And there's just I like Forsberg a lot. Actually, it's he depth on really defense, isn't it? Like that's where they're really. There's just not enough there beyond Zub and uh, and Shabbat. Zub. The Zoob. <laughs> love Zoob. I love that that's a thing on Twitter. People just saying Zoob. It was a thing earlier again. in the year, right, yeah. where the guys on the bench had to explain to him that he wasn't being booed. Oh, yeah. That this like, was fans, oh, like, chanting his name. Ru- it's a good poor thing. Poor Russian kid thinks... <laughs> yeah. poor, poor young Russian doesn't know what's going on. Thinks everyone hates him. Like, <laughs> no, no. It's a good thing. They love you. It's a good thing. <laughs> uh, what's on the agenda for the rest of the week for you, Hoff? I know you're, uh, you're back up and healthy, and we're not allowed to believe that you're just sitting around doing podcasts, drinking beer, and making bread. So what are they keeping you busy with right now? Well, there's a little bit of that. There's definitely going to be some bread baking because... <laughs> 
well there's nowhere else to go outside of the working hours right now so um a little bit of a little bit of everything right now and that's kind of a fun time of the off season for for football and um you know we're gonna have some player movement coming down in the next couple of weeks leading up to free agency so i'll be busy with that and um just a lot of planning and strategizing for what the on-field and kind of virtual product the red black is going to look like from a content and promotional front going into next year so that's that's always kind of a fun thing to look at what we did well another round of hot ones and yeah yeah oh man that was so good that was great uh josh josh and company just absolutely killed it with that so yes there's going to be more of that kind of thing to come (laughs) because josh is back for another tour as well and he's the creative genius behind this and um yeah some fun stuff coming up so some behind the scenes work coupled with some 67s hockey that hopefully we'll have fans at sooner than later yeah well appreciate you doing this as always man he's on uh he's on twitter at chris hoffley he's on instagram at hoff on sports he's on talking audio often enough and uh you know pint or two every now and then we'll we'll keep checking back but uh always appreciate you making time man absolutely my pleasure thanks for having me and i should have uh well an update on my i'm gonna get into the sourdough i'm just doing regular white bread loaves right now but okay. next time we talk i'll probably have some sourdough cooking in the so oven literally at really, the time we're we going can to really record. get we can really do a deep dive into that next time we <laughs> that was the great i've had all kinds of reasons why people have asked can we push this back a half hour can we whatever i got such and such i got bread in the oven it was awesome <laughs> I'm making bread. I need to push this back a half hour. All right, man. I couldn't lie to you. No, I I appreciate that. Um, Thank you so much, man. Really do appreciate it. Glad you're back on the mend. And uh, last thing, I guess, are you a resolution guy? What's uh, what's on tap in 2022? Matt, you've asked me. I told you what I think about when you asked me what my favorite things are in any context. So do you did you think? No, I don't have a resolution. I I, I resolved to uh, man. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't believe in resolutions. I think is the bottom line. I'm, you know, trying yeah. to eat better, exercise more. Yep. It's kind of a year long thing. Okay. Um, bake bake more bread. I don't know. I don't like to. I don't like to risk failure. So I just you know, <laughs> I want to. I want to have a good year. I think that's all anyone could ask for right now is not having a shit show of a of a twenty two the way twenty twenty one was for a lot of people. Trying is the first step towards failure. (laughs) Don't try. Uh, On that happy note, we'll wind down episode 922 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. And like I said, hit us with one of those star ratings on Spotify. That's where you're hearing us right now. For Chris Hoffley, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.